This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We'll continue our lesson today. You remember we were teaching on the Holy Spirit's power over sin. We didn't get to finish that, and I would like to do that today. And if we have time, we'll move into another lesson. But let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Read those verses again, and we'll pick up where we left off. Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because a carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Now that carnal is talking about the earthly, fleshly, sinful person that we can be. And we're saved when we're born again, that spirit comes within us and begins that change in you and me. So now we should not strive anything after the fleshly desires or the worldly desires, but we, we were changed and a new creature in Christ. That's why verse 8 says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That means not saved, not not born again. They, they cannot please God. They can do some nice things, wonderful things, but we can't please God if we're not living for God. We're born again. <clears throat> but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's always a guideline of a person who's saved or not. Right there. If you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, then you, you're not a child of God. That's, it just boils down to that because He comes in when we're saved. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify, now that word mortify means you put to death. You get rid of those fleshly things that you do. Put them under the blood. You don't, you're, not, you're not interested in that no more. You shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For if ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join us with Christ, if so be that we may suffer with him, that we may also glorify together. So we talked about, and I don't have time to go back to that, a lot about that this lesson because I have so many other good things that we also need to see and I'd like to bring out as well. But what do we keep seeing over and over again? We keep seeing the word flesh, we keep seeing the word law, and we keep seeing the word spirit. So that means the weapons we have to fight against sin are either the flesh, the law, or the spirit. So we know the, the first two things. The flesh is not going to help us be victorious. It's going to fail us many times. The law, let's go back to the Old Testament and think about it. The law, they tried to live by the law. They wanted to live by They did everything God commanded them to do sometimes to, to be they, the law. They had the They had the Ten Commandments. They had the prophets. They had all these people telling what the law was, and they knew what they needed to do. But did they fail? Sure. The law... They would read the law and say, oh my goodness, I'm wrong, I'm sinned. And, and they'd wait for that time of sacrifice that they could get forgiveness of their sins. And they'd need to do it again the next year because that law, they'd fail. So now Jesus came, He died on the cross for us, and that change took place right there on the cross when that veil was rent in twain. And now... The Holy Spirit, he said, go back, wait for the promise. It came down and we saw that lesson in Acts chapter 2 and it empowered those disciples. And they began to go out and preach and teach and, and many others got saved and they began to get filled with the Spirit. And what's happening? You see the writings of Paul. You see what he's saying, how we need to, to get rid of now of the things that tie us down let the Spirit work in our life, and we are going to be victorious Christians if we do that. So the answer to the weapon choice is the Spirit. It's always going to be the Spirit that's working within us. And we talked about that. Now, we brought out three things in that lesson. Freedom of, of the Spirit, the mind that should be set on the Spirit, and the working of the Spirit. And when I talk about the freedom of the Spirit that we saw in verses 1 through 4 in that chapter, we found out we in the flesh cannot live victorious lives by ourselves. You see, when, you, when we read that verse in there, we, we begin to realize that it was talking about the things of the flesh. Therefore, there's no condemnation to them which are in the flesh. Is that what your Bible says? No. It doesn't say we have no condemnation because we're in the flesh. It says because we are in Christ Jesus. So there's the difference that it makes in your life and my life. God did what we could never do. Even our best efforts in the flesh, even guided by a perfect law, we could not do it. But we can be made righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. And when we accept Christ, when we accept what He's done, we realize we can start to be free from sin 
because we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Will we still sin? Yes. Will we still mess up? Yes. We're not perfect. It didn't say we would be perfect. But we should strive and we have a great help that will help us every single day. Live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Sow to the Spirit, not to the flesh. You know, what is, the, what is the scripture? Whatever you sow, you'll reap. So am I going to sow to the Spirit? Am I going to realize, hey, I need the Spirit's help every day? I want it to help me. I want it to lead me. I want it to guide me. So I'm going to do everything I can to stay in tune with the Spirit. But am I going to look over here? My buddy says, hey, we need to do this, and we can do that, and we can get away with that, and this is all right, and the world says this is good. Guess what we're doing? We're sowing. We're sowing to the flesh. We can't expect the Spirit to help us if we're going to do that. We have to make a division. We have to make a conscious decision. We're changed by two things, and those two things there. First, we accept that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. And then, secondly, we accept Him into our life. Those two things work together. And then we're baptized into Christ's death, baptized into His Spirit. We begin to live a new way, and that new way is through the Spirit of life in Christ. Now, we also saw the mind that is set on, on the Spirit. We have to have our mind straight. You know, most decisions that we begin to make, it'll begin up here in your mind. I don't care if someone suggests it or something you just see, something you just heard, your mind begins to work, okay? Am I going, am I going to entertain this thought now? Am I going to keep on thinking about this? Am I going, am I going to take it a little farther? Am I going to dismiss when I heard the Holy Spirit say, you don't need to know that, you don't need to get with that, you don't need to be involved with that? Am I going to dismiss that? Or am I going to entertain that? The mind has to be set on spiritual things. So what we need to do is step back whenever we are faced with something and say, when the Holy Spirit, is this good for me? Is it not? Is it something that's going to work for me? Is it not? And so we have to listen to that. You know, when Jesus was here, he lived and breathed the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit, didn't we read that verse? That same Spirit, not a different one, the same one that raised him from the dead will empower us and will help us live above the worldly desires when we set our minds on the Spirit. But if we set our minds on the fleshly desires, listen, I don't care what you say, I don't care how long you've been saved, if you set your mind on fleshly desires, sooner or later you will entertain those desires and follow through with it. Sooner or later. Because our mind is not set on the right thing. And it's easy to happen. Our fleshly desires go against God's will. So we realize that there are things that we need to do that will help us. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 5, and we want to look at this list of things here. This is a list. You say, well, how do I know that I'm living fleshly desires? 
How do I know that I'm entertaining wrong things? How do I know that I'm going the wrong direction? Well, if you see things in this list that you decide you're going to be involved in and that that's what you're going to practice, you're going the wrong way. Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifested. These are they. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past. Look at it. They that that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that tells me either our mind is on fleshly, this fleshly things here, or our mind is on the spirit. And so we have got to stop. These things are all around us, easy to get involved in, easy to fall off and get on the wayside. But if we're listening and we're sowing to the Spirit, then what's going to happen when these things come about around you and me? Guess what? A light will go off on the inside and the Holy Spirit say, you stay away from that. You don't get involved in that. That's not for you. You're a child of God. And we say, you're right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's not me. That's not what I want to do. So these are... A list, and the end of that verse comes with that great warning. He says, These things which I've told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what that tells me? People that practice these things every day, day in, day out, they're not going to heaven. You can stand there all day and tell me that I'm a Christian, I know God. But if we practice these things, that person's not saved. That's what that, and they are not going to be a part of the kingdom of God. So, what does the Holy Spirit do? It works in us. It works to kill evil in our life. It works in our life and brings freedom to us. By Him, we are free from the fear of condemnation. We saw that in the very first verse of that chapter eight. He works sonship in us. We are adopted in the family. He works as a witness in us. Our spirits are confirmed by Him that we are the children of God. Remember what I said? That's a, that's a great indicator. You know, the devil will jump on your shoulder and say, you're not saved, but you need to tell him, hey, I know when I got born again, I know when I invited the Lord in my life, and besides that, I got the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me every day, and I can tell that. And also, he works to help us even communicate to God when we don't even know how to pray. So the work of the Spirit is new life. The Spirit will always bring life. Flesh will bring death. Sin will bring death. These things of the world will bring death in your life. You'll go to no good. But he'll take chaos, the Holy Spirit, in your life and bring it to order. When God made man in the beginning, and this was the very first lesson that I taught when I began teaching on the Holy Spirit. He formed man out of the dust of the earth, and the scripture says God breathed into him the breath of what? Death? No. 
He breathed into him the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. The literal translation is God breathed. He inspired into him the spirit of life. 1 Corinthians 15.45, notice that verse here. It says, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul, but the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Jesus being the last Adam, he's made a quickening spirit, and that spirit is in you and me as children of God. And that will help you if you sow to the Spirit on a daily basis we need to. So by the Spirit, we are the children of God. What does the children of God look like? I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. We cannot be the children of God and live like the children of the devil. Basically, we can't do that. There's a lot of people like to do. Try that. I can live like I want to Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday, I'm going to dress up and go to church, and I'm a child of God. But I can live like I want to the rest of the week. No. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit leads us every day of the week. And let me remind you this. He doesn't drag us either. He leads us. The Bible says He will lead us and guide us into all truth. It's a different when someone's walking ahead and saying, come on, come on. Nope, not there. Let's go over this way. Not that. Let's go this way. That's leading. But it's another thing if I go over here and grab this brother by the coat and said, come on, come on, let's go. He's he's not doing that voluntarily. I'm dragging him. He's going to resist that probably. Where Where are you taking me? What are you doing? He's not going to want to follow through with that. But when the Holy Spirit leads us, we ought to say, yes, yes, sir, I'm following you. I want to do exactly what what you want me to do. He leads us and He guides us. He empowers us. Now, do we have the choice to resist Him? We sure do. You see, that's the thing with someone leading you. I can lead... My grandchildren along and say, y'all follow me. And Nolan would do pretty good, but Charlotte would be way over there somewhere. Charlotte, where you at? What are you doing? She doesn't want to follow me. She likes to do her own thing. And we can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We can either let Him lead us, or we can say, I'm going to do my own thing. We can resist Him. Remember the lesson I taught on we can even lie to the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. That means He wants us to do one thing and we just say, "Mm, no, I don't think so. Not today. I'm sure that grieves Him. All of those things we can do. But when you read through those verses in Romans 8, the mind that's set on the flesh is death, but the mind that's set on the Spirit is life. The thing is, have we chosen to follow the Lord every day and listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of people who want just enough grace to get them to heaven. They, they want just enough to say, I'm not going to hell, praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. 
The angels are rejoicing when someone gives their life to Christ. But folks, that, that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We, we give our life to Christ. We become His child. The Holy Spirit comes in for a reason so that when that day comes or we stand before the Lord, He'll be able to look down and say, man, not only were you saved back in 19 so-and-so, but since then you've followed the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and done some wonderful things down here on this earth. But there will be many people who stand before him who say, ah, I made it into heaven. But boy, they're going to be sad when the Lord starts opening the book, record book and says, well, <laughs> you did nothing. Nothing with what I gave you. you. You didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. He wanted you to do this and that. You, you, you failed so many times. Yeah, you're here. But I don't think I can say well done to you, no. Because these things that you left behind here undone on the earth. When I gave you the power, I gave you the means, I gave you the ability through the Holy Spirit to do those things. And we fail Him. There are many people who want to serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24, I didn't give this scripture to them, but it just simply says no one can serve the two masters. He'll either hate the one, love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Following Jesus involves carrying the cross sometimes, many times, going through difficulties many times, but not alone, not without help. So that last verse in that chapter ought to inspire us in verse 17 that we read. And that in chapter 8, and it says this, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, you see that? We suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together. I don't see anywhere that the Bible paints a picture that there will be smooth sailing since we're saved, everything will be perfect, everything will be calm, Everything will be great until I come and receive you again. I, I don't see that. But he said we have to suffer sometimes. And as we suffer with Christ, just like Christ suffered here on the earth, we'll be glorified with Christ. So the Holy Spirit gives us the power to suffer through things and it gives us the power over sin, but we have to continue to sow to the Spirit. So that, that will finish up that lesson and we'll start a brand new one now, this morning, going into something else. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've been going down through the Bible looking at some of these passages that really deal with the Spirit. Now 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I want to begin reading in verse number 6. And we're titling this lesson as we move along, The Holy Spirit's Role in Knowing the Will of God. Okay, so a lot of people say, I'm saved. I realize I got the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to live, I want to live right. I want to do right. I want to do the will of God, but I don't know where to start. I want to make sure I'm doing God's will. I, I don't, I don't, I've had people tell me, I don't know what God's will is for my life. 
They, they want me to tell them what God's will is for their life. I can't, I can't do that. God has different plans for every one of us. But He does have a plan. He doesn't leave anyone out. Everyone can do something for God, and He wants you to do something for Him. So how do we know that? All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among you, them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to know. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, ear nor ear heard, neither have it entered to the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath, notice this, hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So there is a role the Holy Spirit plays in your life and my life of knowing what the will of God is. And how do we know that? It's not going to come from me. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. He will guide us. He will show you what God's will is. Have you ever heard this statement before? Let your conscience be your guide. I've often heard that. And many times I would say that's, that's pretty good advice. Let your conscience be your guide, especially for a Christian. But not every time. It's often easy to be led by our feelings and our emotions. Let's say I'm feeling bad or I emotionally feel for something that has taken place. Then my conscience can say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? They hurt your feelings, so why don't you retaliate? That could be my conscience telling me that to do that. And that, that's, that's not what the Scripture says. So it's not always the right thing to do. It may feel right, but I think most of us know we can't trust our feelings. <laughs> we feel different ways. We'll feel, we may feel happy today, sad today, disappointed today, we may feel who knows what. And if we, we, you can come into God's house with those feelings on our shoulders thinking, you know, I feel this way today, so I'm here. I don't know how much I'm going to get out the sermon. 
I don't know what I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to me today. I, I just, you know, we can be that way. But there are times when that inner voice from the Holy Spirit will speak to you and me and we know it's the right thing. There is a, there's a difference between our conscience and God's Holy Spirit. And I know people that don't agree with that statement. Well, I, I, I can let my conscience be my guide because I know it's going to always guide me right. Because we need to realize our conscience comes from our experiences with dealing with other things in our life. We just have a feeling. You ever heard somebody, I had a feeling that I need to do something. Okay, let's start there. I had a feeling that I should do this or do that. All right, do we go back to the Lord saying, well, now, Holy Spirit, I got a feeling, but is this, is this right? Is this a good feeling? Is this, am I going the right way here with this feeling? I, I need you to give me peace about what I'm about to do. And that way we're being guided and led by the Holy Spirit when we check with Him, making sure that it isn't just some feeling we have, but it's what God wants us to do. And that's these writings that Paul was doing here in 1 Corinthians is trying to help us understand some of the things that the Holy Spirit is able to do in our life. Listen, the Holy Spirit loves us unlike anyone else could love us. He wants always the best thing for your life and my life. He's going to always lead you right. It may, be not, it may be something He leads that you don't want to do. It may be something like we talked about in the last lesson that we're going to have to suffer a little bit. But if the Holy Spirit says this is what you need to do, we need to follow Him. So he knows, we saw that, he knows all of God's plan. Don't, don't you want to know somebody that knows God's plans better than you do? I mean, I don't have no idea what God's got going on for me the rest of the day today, much less tomorrow, I don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows. And he knows exactly where we need to go, what we need to do, what we need to say. He knows God's plans, God's purposes for our life. He wants us to know God's will. And we can't see Him, so how does He communicate that God's will to us? And Paul spoke about it in the role of the Holy Spirit, and I want us to, to continue to look at that. We won't, certainly won't get through hardly any of this today, but I want you to see some of the things that He is helping us do just portion here of Paul's letter. Because Christians, for Christians, our thinking ought to be from the way of a believer, not an unbeliever. You see, a believer and an unbeliever are going to think two different ways. So in our passage today, it tells us that God's wisdom is a hidden, a mystery. They use that word, a mystery. People like mysteries. You know, they, they, they hear about a mystery. Can you solve that mystery? And people get involved in, yeah, I like to try to, let me get some clues here and, and solve this mystery that's going on. Well, to a lot of people, the Word of God's a mystery to them. 
but the Holy Spirit is able to reveal the things that we need to know. So we can understand. We can begin to see what we should do. That's why an atheist can read about the Bible a thousand times and be unmoved by it. They they won't do a thing for them. Why? Because they don't believe it anyway. They're going into that, reading it, and saying, well, I'll read it, but I don't believe it. They won't get a thing out of it. They can analyze the Greek, the Hebrew. They can debate with Bible scholars, but unless the Holy Spirit opens their mind to understanding of the truths of God, it will be like foolishness to them. So look at verse number 6 again of 1 Corinthians 2. For who hath known the mind of God? Isn't that something that we can know the mind of God? Who hath known the mind of God? Put that verse back up. I ain't finished with it yet. <laughs> Howbeit we speak wisdom among you, them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to know. I don't rely on people's wisdom. I don't care how important they are in this world. They can fail you. They can give you wrong direction. So that's not something that we are going to say, hey, this is, this is truth, and I'm going I'm to believe it. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God, look at that, in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. When they, when they crucified our Lord, they didn't, they didn't realize what they were doing. They, they just thought they were crucifying another person. They had no idea that they were fulfilling God's plan. It's a mystery to them. They had no idea. Paul says he, he was speaking words of wisdom to those who are, were spiritually mature. But those in the world who think like the world, they'll never understand what he's saying. You see, the more mature we are in Christ, the more God's Word makes sense to us. Do you remember when you first got saved and you was someone probably opened the Bible and showed you some Scriptures and you began to hear them explain those Scriptures and realize that you were a sinner and that Christ died for you and that you could invite Him into your life and be saved? You, you begin to the Holy Spirit began to convict you and you begin to understand a little bit. But when I led, when lead somebody to Christ, I didn't go over here to the, to the Gospel of Matthew and start telling them about what Jesus said. This was this. They, they wouldn't have understood that. I didn't go over to Revelation and talk talking about the end times and things. In, I mean, the more that you mature, in Christ, the more you understand. Now, this is a sad thing. There are Christians who have been saved for years and years and years and still not matured in the Word of God. Still not. Still not there at all. And that's, that's a shame. 
We should grow in Christ every day. In fact, the writer of the book of Hebrews compared the difference between drinking milk and eating meat. Look at Hebrews 5 and verse number 12. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not a strong meat. I, I, a young Christian has to start off with the milk of God's word, something they can understand, something they can comprehend. But, verse 13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. That's a natural thing. When a little child is born, you bring it home from the hospital. You don't say, let me run up a store and get, get a big old steak here so the child can have something to eat. <laughs> no, that'd be foolish, wouldn't it? But, we have specific food for a baby. It begins with that milk. Then it goes on to something a little bit more and a little bit more. And then as they grow up, we don't, we don't call the six-year-old child and say, well, hey, I got a bottle for you. Seven, eight-year-old child, I still got that bottle for you. No. They're, they're growing. They need other food. And as Christians, we need the same thing. Verse 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as growing Christians, that tells me this, we shouldn't be affected by things of this world so easily either. Somebody comes along with a teaching and, and, and tries to teach you something that's contrary to the word of, word of God. The Holy Spirit's going to say, that doesn't sound right. That isn't right. You know, when I'm, when I'm riding down the road and I hear some, I'm listening to Christian radio, but sometimes on Christian radio, they come on with a, a scripture. They'll give a scripture and they, they'll quote that scripture and I, but halfway through it, I, that didn't sound right. That doesn't sound like my Bible said. I, I don't. I don't get. You know, that's not. I don't want that. I know what the, the word says. So I begin to discern between good and evil. I begin to know exactly what I need to do. So that passage opens my eyes to the reason why people respond differently. Did you know when the pastor preaches the message with a full congregation here, people will respond differently to that message. Not everybody's going to respond the same way. It has to do with our spiritual growth. There were, he'll say things that people were standing there going, huh? I didn't get that. And then this one over here is going, amen. You're right. That's right. That's exactly right. You see the difference? When we first come to Christ with spiritual infants, we can only digest milk truths. But as we grow in spiritual maturity, we'll be able to grasp it, the meat of the word, and our soul will be nourished. So don't get discouraged because other Christians may seem to understand more than the Bible than you do. It's not that this Christian over here is some super 
great, fantastic, above everybody else Christian. That's, that's not the deal. The deal is maybe this Christian has been studying their Bible more, listening to the Holy Spirit more, feeding the soul more with the meat of God's Word than this one over here is just over here. Well, I just, you know, I will listen to a little bit of it, but my mind's on what I need to do when I get out of here and my children and whatever else I got going on. You see, if, if we're not tuned in, then this one will get much more out of it than this one will. So don't be discouraged. That just means we're in different stages of spiritual growth. And I pray that this infant stage will pass, that this person will grow on with the Lord. And as we grow in our knowledge of God's Word and in prayer and in faith, God's wisdom, that mystery that we talk about, it will become clearer and clearer every day. Some, some religions think that God is so far away that we'll never know Him, that we can't even approach Him. They, they don't think of God as someone that you can have a conversation with every day, anywhere, anytime. But if we don't stand still, and have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with God, we'll never know the mysteries of God. And we'll talk about this more later on, how we really have to come to a place where we are listening to the Holy Spirit. We're giving Him opportunity to speak to us and show us the hidden things of God. Our time's run out today. But we'll pick back up here how important it is that we listen to the Holy Spirit's leading and find out what God wants to do in our life. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.